Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, good morning. Welcome to episode 14 of the Sleepers and Keepers Fantasy Hockey Podcast, part of the Hockey News Podcast Network. We've got an action-packed show for you. We're going to talk about Patrick Kane. Uh, we're going to talk about the, the Panthers, the Flames, and a whole bunch of players that are running hot and cold. Joining me is Michael Amato from Toronto. How's it going, Mike? I'm doing well. Are we going to talk about Otani too? That's the biggest <laughs> the biggest thing. <laughs> no matter what happens, I just enjoyed the whole process of it. Like e- Whether or not he signed with the Jays, uh, that whole Twitter Jays fandom was going to have a meltdown either way, and I was really, really enjoying it. I said there's going to be an incredible 30 for 31 day about December 8th, 2023, that whole Twitter tracking, everybody following his every move, which was no move. Apparently, he was sitting on his couch in <laughs> California. <laughs> Could you imagine being Otani sitting on his couch and be like, I wonder where people think I am today right now. I, hon- I honestly think that's why he announced like, the next day is because someone probably went to him and said, look, like there's basically a country in shambles right now. <laughs> You've got to do something here. <laughs> well, one of the best subplots I thought was uh, that Rogers would go all in on the Jays, had Otani signed and just kind of like given up the hockey rights. I think that would have been hilarious. And if you go on like Robert Hergovich's uh, Wikipedia page, there's a section on it. Uh, oh, talking about it. the Otani thing, about how he was mistaken, his private jet was mistaken for Otani's jet. Yeah, oh, I, I just kind of chuckle at some of the, like the conspiracy theories that like Herjavec was was in on it, like a multi billionaire <laughs> is just going to spend the day like being a decoy for Otani. But yeah, it was wild. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to hockey because that's what the show is about, right? Hockey. Yes. A little, little less fun than the Otani, but let's talk about it. <laughs> True. I mean, we'll talk about Otani at some point. <laughs> Maybe when there's a player who becomes a goalie and a player, like puts a post a shutout and scores a goal like as a player, not just from the other end of the ice. Maybe we'll talk about him one day. But I did want to talk about, start with uh, Patrick Kane. Mm-hmm. Two games in, one goal, 10 shots on goal, a minus three rating, but averaging 18 minutes per game. Um, what have you thought about his two-game uh, stretch so far? Looks pretty good for a guy. I know, right? Just coming off major uh, hip surgery. Yeah, he he looks he looks good. Um, I love the shot volume. That's always a great sign. Um, I know the first game was you know they they scored a bunch of goals against the Sharks and he didn't get mm-hmm. a point, but that second game, um, you know, I thought he he looked really good. So yeah, if if you've been stashing him uh, this whole time or or been holding him all year on your roster somewhere, that's that's a really great start for him. Um, and the wings look like a pretty, you know, potent offensive team. He looks like he fits right in there. So yeah, he, he looks strong early. Now the issue is last game against the Sens, Dylan Larkin was basically crushed. Um, thank goodness is okay. Apparently x-rays uh, came back negative, uh, but it does leave a gaping hole down the middle for the Red Wings and JT Confer is out. So 
I kind of am wondering if Joey Valeno gets a little mid-interim fantasy boost while Larkin's out, and you have Kane and Debrinket kind of refining their Chicago magic together. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see um, who they use in that spot. I think Confer might be back, right? Because he it was just kind of like body soreness, they called it. Mm-hmm. He was just kind of banged up. Um, I know he practiced <laughs> on Friday. Um, I was hoping he was going to play on Saturday, but but no dice. So, yeah, they have a lot of options. Valeno might be might be interesting there. Uh, Michael Rasmussen's actually been decent yes. lately, too. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what route they go. But, yeah, Detroit... Um, couple down games lately but they can they can certainly score so whoever gets that spot i think he'll be somebody you want to look at yeah i imagine his body soreness is more than just like a hangover for us <laughs> <laughs> probably uh he, he does block a fair amount of shots he, yeah he throws some hits so it's probably something more significant but yeah we'll yeah we'll see I'd, I'd also throw andrew cop out there i know he gets moved up and down the lineup a lot but i, I do like his game but no matter what happens any center that's centering kane and different cat or even Lucas Raymond is going to have a good uh, fantasy value boost right there. Definitely, yeah. It's someone to look at for sure. Yeah. Uh, speaking of injuries, this is one of my personal favorites in banger leagues. I always try to get this guy any chance I get. But Boone Jenner uh, broke his jaw. He's out for six weeks. He is, in my opinion, probably the best fantasy player on the Blue Jackets. And now it's gap- leave- left a gaping hole. Uh, 13 goals. I think he's had 13 goals so far for Jenner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tons of shots. Over the past three seasons, he's their even strength goals leader, power play goals leader, plays a ton, takes all their face-offs. But you got to think maybe Adam Fantilli gets a little more ice time, gets a little more um, minutes now. I'd hope so. Some of those young players are starting to look really good there, and I think they should be playing more. Uh, Fantilli, Marchenko, um, a couple for sure that should get a bump. That Russian line. Yeah, it's it's looking good. I grabbed Marchenko this week or on Thursday because I think mm-hmm. the Jackets had three games between Thursday and, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Sunday. Um, but yeah, they they look really strong. I think it's so frustrating for Jenner, and this is why like I, I typically don't draft him or almost try to avoid him because I know like without fail, like every year he has he has a six to eight week injury, <laughs> and it's just like clockwork. And yeah, he's you're, I agree with you. He's one of the best fantasy assets in, in multi-cat leagues um, does mm-hmm. everything well, kind of in that Yoel Erickson at category, really good. He, you know, he can center a top line. He can play up in the lineup too. Um, but yeah, he just can't ever stay healthy. It's so frustrating <laughs> watching him, you know, get <laughs> off to great starts every year. Like we said, 13 goals. Mm-hmm. That's, that's right up there. And then inevitably out for six weeks. So yeah, it's a tough one, obviously, but yeah, I hope that, I hope it does open the door for for like a Fantilli to really get some some more ice time. He's definitely looked good. Yeah, and if you're banking on like a line A turnaround or a Goudreau turnaround, I think that's going to be even harder without Jenner around. I do too. Yeah. yeah. Someone asked me if I if they thought that would help line A because maybe like they move him back to center and he plays more up. And I, I don't think so. I think no. I think I think a Goudreau jenner uh line a line is the best thing for for line a or goudreau to be honest but yeah and i think line a at center that experience has just sailed yeah. i think playing center is good in fantasy because you get an extra position eligibility yeah. but in terms of on ice play i don't think line a has the acumen to play center at least not the way the jackets want him to no definitely not we'll always have this one year of, of line a with three position eligibility. <laughs> you know what knowing yahoo's gonna start as a center next year i know it yeah yeah it's definitely possible so i i i'm 
I don't know. It, it sounds amazing to say or, or weird to say, but I don't. I don't really even think Line A is worth holding. I, I think he's unless you're in a super deep league. I think he's more of a streamer. Yeah. Um, Agreed. I just. I, I think he's too inconsistent. Uh, no too shot under- volume either. Yeah, shot volume's gone. Um, even when they moved him back to wing, it didn't really take a jump. I know he had a small little streak recently, like a, a three-game point streak, but. Yeah, I'd use him as a streamer if the schedule is good, but it's probably not someone you know you want to hold long term. Mm-hmm. That's right. And Columbus only plays two games this week, so yeah. this coming week, I should say. So doesn't even matter. Um, goalies. Well, let's start with your Leafs. Um, Joey Walt with the high ankle sprain. Oh, sucks. But at least you know what Sam Stonoff <laughs> came in and and you know he played well. So I, this is I his chance. I don't know if. I've ever felt as like heartbroken or downtrodden for <laughs> for an injury. There's there's been a couple like losing your own kid. No, there's been a couple of bad ones. Like I remember when the Leafs traded. This is years ago now when they traded uh, for Doug Gilmore to get him back, and he like tore his ACL on his first shift. Mm. Like that was a a low moment for Leafs fans. <laughs> um, but this one is is a tough one, just considering how good Wool looked. You find a, a sort of a homegrown goalie that you drafted, you developed. Mm-hmm. He's making no money. Like, he's perfect. He's making, like, basically the league minimum. And he's playing phenomenal. And, yeah, he was, like, one of the few zero-G bargain goalies that kind of panned out this year, right? Like, a lot mm-hmm. of them haven't. Yeah. Like, Schmied, Levi, like, a lot of those guys haven't really worked out. And Wool has. So, it's it's tough for sure. But that's exactly why you, you kind of hold on to Samsonov, right? Like in these cases where you see a, a guy like wall emerging, you know, you just don't, don't give away uh Samsonov or give up on him because yeah, one injury. And now, you know, it sounds like a high ankle sprain. Maybe that's, that's tough. Maybe, maybe four to six weeks, best case scenario, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe you're looking at late January. Um, so Samsonov's going to get a pretty good run here if you still have them. Yeah. I have wool on one of my fantasy teams. And last week I had a chance to trade for Samsonov, but I was like hemming and uh, hemming and hawing, and thought it was kind of expensive, and I didn't pull the trigger. And I really wish I did now, because now I'm stuck with like picking up Devin Levi or Dustin Wolf. <laughs> yeah, Wolf is an interesting one too. But yeah, yeah I mean, let's see what Samsonov does. Good, good first game there against mm-hmm. uh, against Nashville. I think the the team helped them a lot. Maybe this is also something like I think a lot of times we see when. I guess, I guess Wolves, you can call Wolves like their their top goalie at, at the moment before he went down. Like when the top goalie goes down, you see the the team kind of rally together. And we've seen the Leafs kind of mm-hmm. do this before. They they get a lot better defensively around them. Um, it's going to be tough with that with that decor right now because there's probably a few guys that uh, shouldn't even be playing out there. But they're so thin as well. But they looked much better defensively against the Predators. Granted, I mean, it was the Predators and, and not you know some high flying scoring team, but I think if the Leafs can give you that and you have Samsonov, like that, that's a huge bonus. Well, hey, Philip Forsberg's having like a low-key MVP caliber season. So so so's Ryan O'Reilly's. These yeah. guys are just feeling the net. But yeah, I think part of the Leafs' strong defensive play too is because they probably don't want Martin Jones in net. Yeah. I think everyone sort of like sighed a, a, a breath of relief when Samsonov came back and just went, phew, no Martin Jones. This He's is all right. good. He's probably going to start this week. They have a back-to-back I know, there right? I think, in New York, so he's going to play one of those games, I bet. But he looked—he actually looked. Oh, he actually looked okay <laughs> when he came in cold against the Sens. He kind of held the fort there, but he, yeah, he has that- Martin Jones. Kind of, I always, I always, I always make the joke that like. 
for four or five straight years, he had like an 896 save percentage. It was so consistent. Like it was always just like around right around 896. And yeah, I don't think uh, you ever really want to see him in that for your team, but here we are. Consistently mediocre. And and at least the Leafs can give him good goal support so he can win some games yeah. like he did with the Kraken last year. He had a great record with the Kraken last year, but I, it's telling that he only could be a third string on the Leafs this season. Yeah, I will say this. For years, the Leafs have had like a third string that you kind of just pray never has to get called on and has <laughs> like zero NHL, whether it's like Eric Schalgren or Michael Hutchison or yeah. whoever. Now it's at least a guy that's been around a long time and has a lot mm -hmm. of experience, even though he's a little inconsistent. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you have Samsonov or he's on the waiver wire, be sure to pick him up. He's going to have a lot of playing time while Wool is out. Yeah. We just mentioned Dustin Wolf. Jacob Markstrom hurt his hand in practice. Uh, so it's going to be Wolf and Vladar going forward. Uh, Dan Vladar, in his first start after Markstrom was injured, got pulled for Dustin Wolf. Dustin Wolf played the next game and won. Uh, against the Canes, three to two. Um, what do you think of Dustin Wolf's uh, fantasy value going forward? So I actually talked a little bit about this um, in my blog this week and, and a couple weeks ago, as it related to Markstrom at the time before he got hurt. But the Flames have a really, really tough schedule coming up. Yes, uh, before Christmas, I think it's like Colorado, Colorado, Vegas, Vegas Tampa, Tampa, Florida, LA's in there too, all in the next two weeks. So. Not exactly an ideal stretch um, if you're going to be taking a chance on Wool or, or to kind of get your first significant run in the NHL is having to face those teams. So I was actually, I originally was talking about that in the sense of if you had Markstrom, you might want to use them selectively over the next few weeks. But now that, you know, Wool looks like he might get a shot, um, you got to be sort of really careful. I, sh I mean, I should say I have a lot more confidence in Wolf than I do uh Vladar. like if i was going to grab one i think i would grab wolf but yeah it's a tough tough schedule for the flames i think wolf has a higher ceiling yes. with Vladar, you know what you're going to get so if you're going to roll the dice with the flames who probably might go 500 the rest of the way you might as well do it with wolf yeah for sure and i think the flint like they were borderline sellers at one point they, they still might be like the season looked lost and they had a little nice run and now that i think they're sort of back in the mix so mm -hmm. If that's kind of your mentality still, yeah, you might as well see what Wolf has. Um, I'm not sure exactly how long Markstrom's going to be out, maybe a few weeks, but you might as well give him a handful of games and see how he looks. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stick with the Flames for a little bit because uh, I thought it was noteworthy that Matt Coronado was called back up. If you look at the Flames' power play, I think one of their problems is they don't really have uh, a good shooter, and Coronado is known for his shot. But he's not going to get a lot of ice time. He's probably not going to be on the first power plate all the time or even on the power plate at all. Although that I think that'd be misusing him, but what do you do when you have such a high end prospect come up with limited minutes? Would you stream him or would you stash him? I would probably stream, um, especially in this case, since we saw Coronado for a handful of games to start mm -hmm. the year and it was kind of mixed results. Um, we kind of know how they they've been using him. So, and, and I also think he's kind of, I don't want to say like passed on the on the depth chart or anything, but we've seen other players Conorzeri, Conorzeri or or Pospisil sort of have a bit more success coming up. So I would just be cautious there. If the Flames have a really good schedule um, and you want to sort of take a shot on him, um, just see what he does. I, th I think you can, but yeah, I'd be hesitant to to kind of hold them unless you know you're in a really good spot and you're, mm -hmm. you're innings you can you can afford to take mm -hmm. a chance on somebody. Maybe you look at him, but. 
Yeah, I think it's, you know, I, I think he probably needs a little bit more time. They've they had him up earlier. They send it back to the AHL. We'll see how he does this go around. But yeah, I wouldn't be necessarily dropping somebody significant to grab him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, sticking with goalies, Philip Grubauer of the Kraken. Placed on IR means he's going to miss a minimum of four games. So you go with Joey Decord and Chris Jeter. Chris Jeter has yet to play the season. So it's been Decord. I think Decord's probably the number one, at least for yeah. the interim going forward. And I'm tempted to stream Decord, but I've been burned so many times by this guy this season. And the Kraken do not have an easy schedule coming up. So they got Florida and LA this week. I know they're playing all three games at home, but those are tough matchups. I, I've been burned by Kraken goalies for for years now. It seems, and they've, they've only been in the league for for three years or whatever it's been. So, I'm my confidence level is low. I do I, I don't mind Decord, but mm-hmm. I, if he was on a different team, I think I would would stream him. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. He's he's just like I don't know. I, I, the Kraken to me, they're not the best defensive squad. Um, they're not as strong as they were last year. At least last year, you had the benefit of wins, right? If you grabbed mm-hmm. a Martin Jones or a Grubauer, mm-hmm. um, they don't seem to be that that great this season. So I'd be worried about that there. You mentioned the tough schedule. Um, I, I get it. It's tough right now. If you need a goalie, there's there's not much out there. And there's clearly, you know, somebody like Decord might play a few games this week. So maybe he's worth a shot if you're really, really desperate. But I would see, I would see what else is out there. Right. Uh, among other news, uh, more positive this time, actually, Max Pacioretty is a few couple weeks away. So Max Pacioretty is interesting. Uh, the Cavs have a lot of trouble scoring goals. Spencer Carberry is brought in because he ran the least power play, and that was really good. But the Cavs power play, not so good. Alex Ovechkin seems like he's really um, falling off a cliff due to age, mostly, and not having a premier playmaker. So I wonder, what is Pacioretty's upside on the Cavs right now? Well, I definitely think um, he's an interesting one to kind of stash or hold. We know he can, like, his whole career scored at a pretty good rate, right? There's mm-hmm. not that many players that can score like like he can. Um, we know Carberry is good on the power play. But, yeah, it's just he's kind of joining a team that it's kind of going downhill and maybe it's not the most ideal spot for, for a mm-hmm. fantasy player. But And he's also a pretty big risk, right? It's coming yeah. back from two... Um, two Achilles, like, Achilles. like that's that's a tough one but yeah, yeah I, I would um, I would probably take a chance on him if it, you, you're just costing you like a waiver pickup nothing yeah. special because it's high reward right like it's yeah. low risk high reward and I don't think there's a lot blocking his way into the top six for the Caps no, no absolutely not unless they're, unless they're just dead set on playing a bunch of young guys um, yeah. but they're kind maybe of maybe later in the season yeah, they're they're kind of in the race, right? Like that's yeah. the that's what's kind of shifted for them. Like they <laughs> thank you, Charlie the, Lindgren. Yeah, I know Lindgren has been unbelievable. Um, he's basically ruined me this week because the guy I was playing is really leaning on Lindgren this week and mm-hmm. it's doing really well. So yeah, they're they're back in it. So maybe you know maybe they're going to give Pacioretty a shot. I think they I think he probably will go in the top six for sure. Maybe even on the top power play. Well, yeah, I mean Anthony Mantha has what six goals this year. Uh, TJOC has one goal. Sonny Milano has four goals. So, I mean, they're going to try and get everything to get their offense going. I I do wonder if they have enough centers to to set them up yeah. with Kuznetsov getting benched and, and Strom being their only, I think, reliable top six caliber center in there. So on that note, though, Tom Wilson having a great stretch so far. 
Yeah, he he looks good. Like a he's been a good bounce back guy. Vintage Tom Wilson. Yeah, vintage staying healthy. That's always key. Um, so yeah, he looks good. But yeah, I agree. Um, I I don't think like they would value any of those three wingers you listed above Pacioretty. Um, uh, those veteran players, I think Pacioretty will come in and get get a good look and a good shot. Yeah. Uh, last bit of piece of news. Um, I thought this was pretty interesting. Yessi Puljujarvi, uh getting a camp tryout to the Pens. Uh, desperation move by the Pens, I think. But I also think Puljujarvi is a bit underrated. Like he's never going to live up to the billing. But I do think he can be a solid contributor. And the Pens have made a habit of making middle six wingers better than they actually are once you put them on a line with Crosby or Malkin. So here's my thing with PRV. I I agree he's a decent bet. But, I mean, I remember him playing a fair bit with McDavid, like getting a lot of chances <laughs> yeah, And it didn't there. work out. He never <laughs> had any fantasy value. So yeah. I can't see a scenario where – he goes to Pittsburgh and is suddenly super fantasy relevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but who knows? Could be wrong. Maybe he they stick him with Crosby. Um, you never know what can happen. But yeah, I think it's more of the Pens realize the rest of their roster is thin. They're making a bet on this guy um, to see. He's also coming off a, a significant surgery mm-hmm. too, so or injury too. So we'll see how he comes back from that. But yeah, that's kind of my that's kind of my barometer. Like if you can't produce with McDavid and Drysaddle, you're you're probably done for fantasy because <laughs> there's not going to be a better spot anywhere else in the league, but maybe who knows? Maybe he recaptures it again. It's, it's a guy I would only grab if I could afford to, to drop somebody. I was in a really good place in the standings. I wasn't really concerned about taking the risk there, but yeah, I don't, I don't personally see it being a huge thing, but I think it could be like, I think it could be one of those, you know, a better in real life option for the pens than having as much fantasy value. Like I think he could be an upgrade to what they have because he's like an okay player, but yeah, I don't see him coming in scoring like 20, 25 goals or anything. Yeah. I think in fantasy, you're always looking for that guy who suddenly moves into top six or or his line mates with a really good player. Um, Doesn't always work out and it could be a good player moving on to line. Like Rickard Raquel before he got injured was really struggling. Yeah. Awful year. Yeah, not producing at all. And he was a proven scorer, was playing well with Malkin on the pens. And sometimes you just don't get the the bump that you're looking for. Uh, same with, you know, Jonathan Drouin, who we've mentioned a couple times on this podcast, where he'll move up to line McKinnon. And I see that McKinnon has, you know, a couple points and Drouin has nothing. Yeah, and that, like, that avalanche... Uh top six to like not to go too far off topic but like they they've been searching for stuff they've been switching around a lot of players they're juggling yeah. the guys up and down so yeah it, it is hard you, you want to find because we talked about this too not not everyone can play with good players you can't just draw that's right you know me or you next to mcdavid and watch us put up points so like you need to have some you know you need to have obviously skill you need to be able to play the game quickly and think the game quickly and not everybody can do that mm-hmm. that's right Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, speaking of players, uh, let's move on to Sam Reinhardt. Now, 
interesting player shooting at almost 27% this year, just had four assists with against Columbus Blue Jackets. So he's on pace for 112 point season. It is a contract year, um, but you kind of wonder if he can keep this up. And I think there's a part of me that wants to sell high, but there's a part of me that also thinks that some players can keep up, you know, like a really hot streak, a hot stretch of play for an entire season. Yeah. I think there's two ways to look at it. Um, I think he he could be a really good sell high candidate. He he is a good sell high candidate. Yeah. But there's also it gets to a point where like a player is playing so well that y- you're better off just keeping them because yeah. like I, I think you know what it kind of reminds me of a little bit of Ryan Nugent Hopkins last year mm. where everyone's like oh sell high sell high um, you know he's and like, he did it all year yeah he did it all year and I guess I guess it's different if you're in a keeper league and you're thinking beyond uh, mm-hmm. this season right like yeah maybe Reinhardt next season's not going to obviously produce at this level or, or Nugent Hopkins isn't going to do that this mm-hmm. year. So, but if you're in a one year league and someone's playing that good and they're on 112 point pace, yeah, you might want to just ride it out and see what happens unless, you know, I always say to see what's out there, you know, float them out there in a trade. If you like what you get in return, you can make the move. If you don't, you just keep them right. Like he's playing really yeah. well. It's not like he's trending down or anything. So, yeah, that's the inherent, difficulty with fantasy trades in hockey i think because you don't when a player's playing well you want to sell high but you also don't want to sell him while he's in the midst of his hot yeah like you kind of want to anticipate when that hot streak ends when you sell him but it's really really hard and then the moment his hot streak ends his fantasy trade value just plummets and it's like you can't get rid of him anymore you got to find that sweet spot where they start having like two to three bad games but they're not completely falling apart yet and someone thinks they still have a lot of value and they kind of give you a pretty good offer but yeah it's it's a it's the same thing when you're like when you're trying to sell somebody that's low right like mm-hmm. if you're if you're looking at like ovechkin for example like you can't really sell him now you want to wait like if you really believe he's fully regressed and mm-hmm. he's not going to get back to his level then you want to try and wait until he scores in like three straight games and then try and move him quickly mm-hmm. before he, yeah, you got to get quickly before he has another two or three game drought, right? So it is tricky to time it. Uh, I've been burned many times by Nikolai Ehlers, who is the biggest value <laughs> trap in fantasy. Yeah, I think <laughs> we all like, have. <laughs> yeah, he gets caught and you're like, all right, I got to sell this guy. And then the next few games, he just drops off and nobody wants him and you end up dumping him on the waiver wire. That player, that player for me, I think we talked about this before, mm-hmm. but that player for me is Pavel Frank, who's I, I've been <laughs> burned by him so many times. Every year it's like, oh, he, he looks phenomenal. He's going to get a big share of the net this year. The Avalanche are great. And then he's just injured. And At the end of the year, we'll have a, mo- a moratorium and, and just talk about all the players that have burned us this year. I have plenty of goalies I want to talk about. It's, it's going to be a long list. Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of getting burned, Matthew Tickchuk not living up to the hype. Um, 60 point pace, barely shooting at 4% um, shooting percentage. Um, I was a little curious about this one. I do think, I think injury probably has to do with it. He had a tough summer of rehab and I looked up his advanced stats. So nothing much has changed. He's still generating chances, still generating expected goals, uh, still getting offensive zone deployment. The difference is his shooting percentage has plummeted. And if you look back at his PDO, which is basically a measure of luck, he's always been over 100, sometimes well over. So I wonder if this is regression to the mean. And and you're 
also like this is like the extreme end he's not a 60 point player he's way better than that yeah but you also wonder um should i just keep him should i sell him because i don't think he's gonna come back without that summer of camp and, and training what do you think of matthew tick so I also wrote about Kachuk extensively this week, and I mm. had a, a good back and forth with uh, a few people on Twitter about him. Um, it's really funny, actually. Like, I, I made the comparison. So, like, we all really roasted Huberto, right, for <laughs> for scoring 115 points yeah. and then going to 55. And if you look at Kachuk, he got 109 <laughs> last year, and he's going for 60 right now. Yeah. So it's not that, not that big of a difference. Obviously, yeah. I think they're – they're different players, different situations. I think the, the shooting percentage is obviously a big yeah. reason. Like, that's, that, that's a big luck thing, too. Yeah, that's going to normalize. I, I will say, though, like, and I was talking to someone about this because they were like, oh, you know, if he if he normalizes the shooting percentage, he's going to be back to a point of game. And I said, well, a point of game is still 25 to 30 points less than he's scored the last mm-hmm. couple of years, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. still a big disappointment for those that drafted him maybe in the top 10, right? So. Mm-hmm. It's interesting too. A couple other things I would point to, like I, I looked at his ice time. He's getting about um, 90 seconds less per game yeah. this year. That's just not insignificant when you add up. That's probably like three shifts less per game. If you add that up over, you know, the whole season, like that's that's going to hurt a little bit for sure. Um, I think the other bigger, I guess it's more of a general thing that I've noticed. Um, when I watch the Panthers play now, like they've, to me, they've really morphed into an excellent like structured defensive team and they almost look like what the canes used to be like Mm -hmm. like the canes haven't been that way this year but and you know i wonder if that's like like i watched them play in toronto a couple weeks ago and they were incredible they was it was the second night of a back-to-back for them like everybody tight checking everyone kind of pulling for each other they're they're really strong in that sense but as we know it kind of limits your your ceiling sometimes in in fantasy right like we, we always talk about like aho is a great player but he's never going to get more than like 80 yeah. points just because of the way the canes play and they divvy up the ice time so i think there's a little bit of that here as well like this is maurice's second full season here with the panthers and he's mm-hmm. fully you know bringing them to this to this different team of, of just complete more of a structured squad so i think that doesn't help either um i personally think I was amazed that that Kachuk got 109 points last year. I thought he would take a pretty big regression after leaving Goudreau and Lindholm. Like, I thought he was more of an 80, 85-point player. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think maybe that's what he could be this year, potentially, if his his shooting percentage kind of normalizes. But, yeah, last year he actually bettered, you know, his final season in Calgary, which I thought was incredible, good on him. But I I didn't think he had that in him. So he clearly does. But I I just think – I don't know. I think he's probably a guy that's getting hit with um, a really bad shooting luck right now and probably maybe played a little bit above his capabilities the last couple of years. I think he's maybe like an 85 to 90 point player in a best case scenario. And he's just getting hurt right now with the shooting percentage too. I agree with you about the ceiling. He never struck me as a hundred point or 110 elite style player because there's no offensive skill that he does like particularly well like there's no calling card for him i did thought it was curious that he so far this year he has zero tipped goals yeah and not that he he scores a lot of them that way like joe pavelski does um but i do think that maybe early in the season when montour wasn't there when ekblad wasn't there um it made it a little harder to generate offense but i'm with you i think the panthers 
are really, really underrated defensive team. I actually think Sergei Bobrovsky has actually been quite valuable (laughs) as a fantasy goalie this year. And it doesn't surprise me because Paul Maurice has always struck me as a guy who really cared a lot about defense as well. Yeah. Bates. uh Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that um, Maurice kind of inherited the team last year. And this year, he really puts a stamp on him. So I agree with you that stylistically, there's been a change. And I do think Ryan Hart gets a big boost because he's playing with Alexander Barkov quite a bit. And Barkov's an incredible uh, playmaker. Yeah. Like the Panthers, to me, look like a team you do not want to face. No, not at all. Like They look like a tough, tough. It's early mm-hmm. still. Like we're not even at the new year yet. But they look like a tough, tough out. Like they... Mm-hmm. They are going to be really tough to beat four times in seven games, especially if they get the goaltending like they got mm-hmm. last year with Bobrovsky. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think all that stuff kind of kind of works against them. Um, and and I think you know I think in fantasy when you have like that second huge season, like he had that second one hundred point year. Now I think people really look at you as okay, you're a hundred point player. Yeah, I'm drafting you in the top ten, and yeah. I think that's where he went this year. And he's and he's probably. Probably a little less than that. He's, to me, he's probably like an eighty-five point player. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll see. We'll I see agree. what his shooting percentage does. See if it see if it normalizes a bit. He's still shooting a ton though, which is good. good yes, job correct. That's right. Um, you kind of mentioned the Canes, so I want to go to them next. Um, this is a team that's really struggling. Four straight losses held to the players only meeting after their loss in Vancouver. Kakaniemi started hot. He's not doing a whole lot now. Andrei Svechnikov is in and out of lineup due to injuries. They have zero goaltending, and I'm not even being figurative here. They literally have zero goaltending sometimes. Um, and as you mentioned before, they're not really a great fantasy team to mine because they spread out the minutes. Ajo's their best player, but he's probably at best a point-per-game guy. Um, I'm at the point where I want to fade all the Hurricanes because between like Jarvis and Nason and all the and Teravine, and I don't know who's going to be their best player from week to week. It, it's been a remarkable fall from grace for them. I'm, you know, we talked about last week some of the surprise teams. I think if we if we did that show one week later, I, I think the Canes would be at the top mm-hmm. of my list. Like they just don't look like themselves. Somebody dropped. Shvechnikov in my league. Oh my god! Really? And I'm in a deep categories league. Like that's how yeah. bad it's got. And and, yeah. I, and I'm I looked at his roster and I'm like, yeah, I can kind of see it. Like he's just not playing well. He's injured yeah, right? again. That so, guy must have a pretty good roster though, because Shvechnikov gets you goals and hits. You know he does, but he's had a kind of. A, I think he's got one goal this year. Yeah. Um, he's had a slow start. Um, he's been injured a couple times. But yeah, it's been really rough. Like both goal. Like I, I think. I think they have the maybe the I heard this the other day. I don't know if it's still true. They had the worst save percentage in the league as of yeah. was it Friday or Saturday. Like yeah, we man, talked about the last episode too. They do. Yeah, they used to be the go-to team for any goalies. I mean, they beat mm-hmm. a team with a Zamboni driver. They beat the least <laughs> with a Zamboni driver in that. Like, and now they can't get any saves. Well, they, they like, allow only twenty-five shots a game. That should be easy, right? You'd think. Yeah, it's just I don't know what's happened to them. They look really out of sorts. And yeah, it's to me the team that there's a lot of players right now that you you want to fade. Like, who are you really looking at on that team and and saying you know I want to grab that guy, I want to buy low on that guy. Like, there's not mm-hmm. there's not that many names out there. Like Ranta and Kachekov should be great waiver wire options, but they're just they're they're so far from it. I know, like it's amazing for a team that was coming into the season as a potential you know cup contender that both goalies are basically rostering less than 50% of Yahoo leagues, both goalies. That doesn't yeah. happen. 
it should have been Kachekov's time. You know, Anderson (laughs) had that medical issue and finally Kachekov gets his chance and yeah, he's just, he's not playing well. Ranta has, hasn't been good. They don't, the Canes overall don't look as, as good defensively. Yeah. There's not, not that many bright spots from that team this year. So the two things about the Canes, so analytically and possession wise, they look great, but I also think it's because they're really good at hanging on to the puck, which is great, but they also throw a bunch of, shots on, on net like they don't always go to the grade a scoring chance areas they'd rather throw it on net and you know track down the rebound and then reset and keep doing it and where where teams down and that's great and all if it if you can finish but they can't finish right now and then they have these weird defensive breakdowns there are parts of a game where like for five or ten minutes they just are completely out of sync and they miss assignments. They're not very good in front of their own net. That's not helping Kachukov or Ranta. And sometimes I feel like because you limit or you allow so few shots for the other team, your goalies are just kind of out of it. They're, they're yeah. in and out of the games. They can't focus. They can't get into rhythm. And Kachukov, I mean, I swear, like, this kid looks like the like the next coming of Dominic Koshik sometimes. And then the next time he looks like a Patrick Laleem with the beatball meme behind him in the net. It's such and a roller coaster, yeah. I know. And I, I can't get over it. And also Kakaniemi, uh, really, really great start of the season. Now only 15 points in 27 games and a minus four rating. Uh Martin Natchez had a great season. He's minus 10 with yeah. only seven goals in 27 games. Um, I'm really worried about this team, and I really wonder if things have just gotten stale. I think a bit. I think it's also really. I always say it's it's hard to me. It's hard to be like you remember the Devils of the '90s, just those really good <laughs> teams, like no game breakers, and and that's yeah. what the Canes try to be, right? And I think it's hard to do that nowadays because you look at the Canes; they don't have that game breaker. They don't have that player that can just. You know, like when the Leafs are having an off night, oh, Matthews gets three goals and, well, and they win, right? Like they have to be, everyone has to be, you know, kind of pulling the rope at the same time for them to be really good. And that's, it's hard to do that over a long period. They've done it for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe it is getting a bit stale, maybe a bit tough to do. I think they do have the horses to, to turn loose, but I don't think they want to. For yeah. some reason, they don't let them turn loose. And I, I, it's a different era, but I do think the 90s Devils don't get enough credit for Patrick Eliash, who is, I think, a game, huge game-breaker. Uh, just didn't get a chance. He would have put up so many points if they if he really wanted to. Yeah, it's part of it, for sure. Like they, the, the team has to be willing to let those guys do it. Mm-hmm. That's right. Actually, one guy who's really doing it all, Arizona Coyotes former Canucks legend Michael Carcone. Yes. <laughs> Seven goals in eight games, averaging less than 11 minutes per game. It's always funny. In every fantasy season, there's one of these guys who goes on a really hot run. Uh, for a while, there was Jake Neighbors, right? Now it's Michael Carcone, and, and God knows who else is coming next. But Carcone, um, what do you think of him so far? And what do you do with him? Like, once he's hit his hot streak, do you grab him and then hope he continues? Or do you just kind of be like okay next time someone does this i'm gonna pick him up early <laughs> yeah it's frustrating because you know i think he's shooting yeah he's shooting almost like 35 percent. that's yeah. definitely not gonna last but at the same time every game you don't pick him up and he scores another goal you just get more <laughs> frustrated because <laughs> i should have grabbed him but yeah he's got more goals than i think dry patterson eichel at this point in the year it's it's wild um i've never seen a, a heater like that on so few shots with so little 
ice time. Like we, we saw a little bit of that from like, you know, I think Daniel Sprong was a guy that yeah everyone pointed to last year, but Carconi's already got like with 13 goal. I think like that's, he's on his way here. Um, so yeah, 13 again, goals in 25 games. So 40 think, goal scorer. <laughs> I think he's, I don't think he's uh, obviously going to be able to keep this going given his, his limited ice time. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you might as well again if you if it's not costing you much, you could grab him for for a week, see what he does, see if he keeps it rolling. Um, he's had a couple big games too, I think. Right? He had, didn't he have a four goal game in there earlier this year, or th- at least a three goal game? I think he had something like that. But I, I just the Coyotes are really banged up, yeah. So a lot of these depth players are getting a little more ice time. Um, and Logan Cooley's getting uh, fewer minutes now, even though he's getting power play time. So, um, guys like uh, Jason Zucker or I mean, is Alex Kerfoot ever going to score points? Ever? No. No, no he won't. <laughs> he won't. <laughs> like, I, I see Sheldon favorite player of all time, but yeah. Yeah, he won't he won't score points. I see a very effective player and no I could I swear he could play McDavid and he'd be the guy who still scores like 10 goals a year. Yeah, he he's Kerfoot is the guy that like if there was no puck in hockey, <laughs> yeah. Kerfoot would be great. Like he <laughs> He's he's good. He knows exactly where to be. Um, but yeah, he's he's not going to get offense. He got yeah, that he, huge goal in the playoffs. Uh, mm. At least he did that. That was incredible. Yeah, um, I mean, to me, he's the perfect warm body, zero event hockey player. Yeah, coaches love him, right? That's, yeah. Keith trusted him so much. Like he would always just throw Kerfoot up when it wasn't working with anyone else. Like put him, move him up the lineup, move him down the lineup. But yeah, in fantasy, there, he always seems like you know he, he could have potential. But yeah, he just. He won't score. He's got that like that syndrome where like he passes when he should shoot and he shoots when he should pass. Uh, like, so frustrating. You know yeah. who does this really well? Elias Patterson. Yeah, <laughs> passes when he should shoot, and I'm like, dude, you've got one of the best wrist shots in the league. Shoot yeah. the damn thing. <laughs> yeah, Kerfoot's he's just frustrating. Don't don't fall into the trap. <laughs> yeah. What about Mikhail Granlund? Is he a trap? Four game point streak, twelve points in seven games. I've there was a time where I really liked him, and then. I didn't like him at all, and I still don't like him. He's just a tease. Every time I think he's going to play well, I pick him up and he stops playing well. And then I drop him and he starts playing well. And then once a year, he'll do this crazy hot streak, make everyone think he's a really good player. And I think the Penguins fell into that trap when they tried to trade for him too. Oh, definitely. But, I mean, of all the Sharks that have been scoring points on this recent resurgence, that's the guy I would would look at. He's getting big minutes, Mm -hmm. good shot volume. Um, dual eligibility, putting up a ton of points. Yeah, I, I, it's not going to last, obviously, but I think I'd, I'd take a look at him now. I, I'm I'm all in. Like, here's a good question: Would you grab Granland or Carconi right now? Granland, I would too. So yeah, I think that I think he has more sting. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> so you're talking me into picking up Granland. Yeah, I'm going to you're going to pick him up again. Yeah. Um, well, so, center yeah. right wing eligibility. Uh, pl- good, pl- good yeah. enough to play like top six, top power play on the Sharks, but not anywhere else. And that's where I think he has a huge edge over Carconi. I think that's what happens with him. You look at him and you're like, oh, I'm not, I'm not p- picking up Granlund again. He's burned me so many times. And then you scroll through the wave wire and you're like, you know what? Granlin's probably the best option. Yeah, I I'm going to pick up Granlin. So, yeah, I think I'd probably grab him right now. I, I mean, this guy was tracking for, what, 20, 30 points this year at the beginning of the season? He's got 16 and 20 games now. Granted, like, the Sharks have scored a ton of goals in the last They, are. they were due. So, they they weren't yeah. as bad as, like, the 0-10-1 record they started with, right? Yeah. So, 
And every time I, I we talk about the Sharks, I, I got to give a shout out to Mackenzie Blackwood. Like if yeah. he needs saves, this guy's been incredible so far. Yes, he's been solid. Good good yeah. goals on a bad team are hard to find. Yeah, true. All right, we're going to go to one mailbag question. I thought this was a really interesting one. So this is from Cheese Time on Twitter slash X. Uh, he asks, I need a left wing. Who do you recommend between Nick Paul, Mason Marchment, and Matthew Nyes? I thought this was interesting because it, it really depends on what you're looking for. And all three players I find are quite comparable. Yeah, I this is a really interesting question. I think Marchman's playing really well right now. Mm-hmm. Um, he's on a good hot streak. I think I'd probably pick Nick Paul. Um, like that Tampa power play is really on fire. Um, That's how Nick Paul scores goals. Just yeah, goals on the power play. I, I think I would just... I think I would just go with that. I think he has dual eligibility. I think he's center left wing, mm-hmm. which helps. Nice. I I could see Nice eventually being pushed back down the lineup. I think it's just yeah. a bit too much for him too soon. He hasn't exploded offensively with with Matthews and Marner or Matthews and Nylander. but he's Matthews or uh, Nice is actually kind of sneaky good for category coverage. Like he gets a lot of penalty minutes. He hits, <laughs> um, but yeah, the offense hasn't been quite there. I think I'd probably go with Paul. Yeah, you? so my my pick would be Paul for best overall because of yeah. faceoffs and hits and whatnot. But I think if you're looking strictly at points with the way Mason Marchman is playing, I'd go Mason Marchman. And I do think the Stars are uh, better offensively than the Lightning. The Lightning kind of scare me sometimes with how bad they can be. Matthew Nyes is the wild card. He's got the biggest variance in terms of production there. Um, if you're looking for someone who's just steady that you want to roster all season, I think Nick Paul or Mason Marchman, depending on your categories. Yeah, that that Duchesne, Sagan, and Marchman uh, trio suddenly looks really formidable. (laughs) Yeah, Matt Duchesne making you eat your words, eh? Oh, tell me about it. (laughs) All right, sleeper and keeper time. You want to go ahead? Uh, Yeah, I'm going to go with Granlin as a sleeper (laughs) for all the reasons we just mentioned. Um, Jason's going to pick him up again, so it's going to be good. no. (laughs) um yeah he looks good the sharks are scoring a ton i would give him a look um and my keeper is from your vancouver canucks sam lafferty playing well playing well with elias Pettersson, dual eligibility hitting a ton scoring Mm -hmm. goals lately canucks play four times this week i'm grabbing lafferty Mm -hmm. and keeper or you're just talked about your keeper eh? yeah lafferty's keeper grand short memory like already erased gremlin from my mind when you mentioned him Grandland has you in shambles already again. Yeah, exactly. My sleep for the week. Uh, we talked about him a little bit. I, I do like Joey Valeno, the way the Red Wings might use him. If not, I also have a backup sleeper, and that's Niels Hoglander my, uh, from the Canucks, playing with JT Miller and Brock Besser. Really stepped up his game. Uh, he's a bit of a pest, and he's got some underrated finishing ability, although he's got a bit of a muffin. He just hangs around the net, so that's good. Uh, my keeper is Jason Zucker. So he's the guy that moved up to the top line with Logan Cooley getting dropped down. So you have Schmaltz, Keller, and Zucker. And even if Zucker isn't scoring goals, I do like the amount of hits and shots that you can get from him. So multi-category coverage guys, I always, always really like. Coyotes feel like every week they have a random guy that seems to have a mm-hmm. ton of value. They're they're a fun team. I, I, I am all in on the Coyotes. I'm really rooting for them to make the playoffs. And I do think if they go out and grab a defenseman, I think Noah Hannafin was one player they were interested in. I'd be really interested to see what they can do. And with Ingram Vimelka, I know Ingram's playing better now, but I do think Vimelka maybe in later in the season will start playing better. And you have two 
pretty solid goalies there, and you can always do a lot of damage with that. I would love to see a, a playoff series at Mullet Arena. That would be, that'd <laughs> yeah, be awesome. That'd, that'd be awesome. I agree. All right. Okay, that does it for this episode. Uh, thank you for listening. Be sure to like, subscribe, and rate. Um, and we will be back next Monday. 